Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. I am your host, Scott Betson, and today is a bit of a momentous day. As you are probably listening to this recording, probably not, as I am recording currently, I am currently packing my bags, and I'm leaving for a couple of days to Vancouver 2020, Neon City. That is the theme of the convention this year, and I will be possibly making a podcast while I'm there, but I decided to, in celebration of this convention and its theme, review the 1993 film Demolition Man, which stars Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Benjamin Bratt, Nigel Hawthorne, Sandra Bullock, Jesse Ventura, and I think that's about it. But more or less, this film is a cyberpunky sort of film. That's what the theme is for this convention. It is a cyberpunk theme, so I thought in the name like in the sake of the convention itself, I decided to go with a cyberpunk themed movie to review today. This movie came out in 1993, like I mentioned. It is set in 1996 and the year 2032. More or less, it starts in 1996 in in LA, and it looks like the city is an active war zone. It could be due to who knows what, but it looks like gang warfare is exponentially gotten extremely insane to the point where there's no return almost. How no one wants to leave the t- like the city, or well, not really leave the city, but leave their homes. In the midst of all this, John Spartan, played by Sylvester Stallone, is going after Simon Phoenix, played by Wesley Snipes, who is at this moment in time in the movie, at the beginning of it, has kidnapped thirty hostages on a bus. He's decided. John has decided to go after him himself because no one else is able to help him locate him and take him down he takes two like uh, helicopter pilots and a tandem rotor chopper to take him to Simon Phoenix's lair and decides to start in a sense his one liner setup set a maniac to catch one he goes in there screaming Phoenix goes in subdues a few of his henchmen uh, probably a, a, some of Simon Phoenix's gang, and as soon as he gets to, like, while this is happening, Simon sees this on closer television and decides to set up a bit of an ambush, in a sense, for for John. He more or less stat, uh, punctures a few barrels of gasoline and waits for him to show up, where they have a bit of a confrontation, where he says he's like. Or Simon, like Simon, uh, is apparently under arrest. John is trying to arrest him. They go through all this crap. He's Simon decides to go with a one-liner himself. For it's like, is it cold in here, or is it just me? And lights the gasoline on fire. John and Simon Phoenix start fighting. He's like, where are the Phoenix? Now where did I put him? I swear I'd lose my head if it wasn't attached. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. So after he does this, he pretty much captures him and escapes 
the, I guess, the burning barrels of C4. I don't know exactly. They don't really explain it very well in the movie if this is C4 or what, because we know he tried, it had, um, drawn up to his ass in gasoline, apparently, to quote, uh, Simon. More or less, they escaped this burning building that's about to crumble and just implode, where we get, like, John's captain yelling at him, getting all mad because he did this himself without any help, and wasn't meant to blow up anything, yada, 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 and he's been saying, you know, I know you've been trying to nail him for at least two years, but try and remember common police, like, the term of police procedure, like, official police procedures, because he went in there to try and save the hostages and subdue Phoenix. They find out that the hostages are dead, and... Both Simon Phoenix and John Spartan are sent to a cryo-prison facility where this is a science fiction film. They decide to use cryogenic suspension to send these two into the future. More or less, Simon Phoenix has been given a lifetime etern, like just basically an eternity life sentence of sorts. Where he will never be able to have parole or anything like that for the like for the murders of the passengers. While John Spartan gets cryogenically suspended and is given a 70-year life sentence. Well, not life sentence, but uh, 70 years in the facility. Jump at jump to 36 years later in the year 2032. Warden war, the warden is is. Uh, contacting was getting contacted by lieutenant lilina hugsley played by sandra bullock she's more or less saying just kind of talking to the warden about this and that and just wondering how it's going she's like i really wish we would have some more action or something like that going on because i really don't like how it feels with no stimulus around here don't you think it's the, the same don't you think the same warden and he's just kind of whatever about it because he knows that the prisoners are completely and utterly ice cubes and they don't move so he has no care in the world he doesn't care about it he, he thinks it's fine it's not a big deal it's whatever to him more or less and more or less we find out about like how the future looks and it looks amazing if you ask me in this movie but it's done up in a way where it's done well. It's whatever you want to say. It's perfect, really. It's almost like a utopic society, almost. It's very different to how most would think. But there's always something to go wrong. Pretty much while he's doing his... Um, while the warden is going through the morning routine of the parolees... He gets Simon Phoenix, who is one of the first and most illustrious members of the facility. And he find and they say in 2003, no wrong, 2007. It was 20, 2003 or 2005. I can't remember which. They said, yes, I think it was 2003. Where it was 29 years ago that the correctional system that he knew was rendered obsolete, yada, 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 and Simon Phoenix starts to screw with the warden a little bit, and gets a little bit pissed off, and is like, saying, do you have anything fresh to say on your behalf? 
thought not. And Simon goes, yeah, I do. Teddy bear. And he literally just starts playing Grand Theft Auto. Basically, he breaks out like it's... I don't know, the newest... I, would, I, I hate to say he's like... It's like it's prison break. He, boom, 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 boom. Takes him out. Takes out the warden's guards. There's all these things. Takes out the warden himself. And then it's pretty much starts killing people and playing Grand Theft Auto like he's on an absolute rampage. Like no one can stop him sort of rampage. And it's insane. The police don't know how to deal with it. They find themselves going ahead to find Simon where he's found himself and decide to say, okay, we're going to try and apprehend him properly. And serve and protect, more or less. We'll protect, serve in the area of Wilshire and Santa Monica. They don't really describe it very well on how everything's going on in the city. But once he decide, like once uh, Simon Phoenix got the upgrades of sorts, and has decided to play Grand Theft Auto in a sense with all the cheat codes, he's literally possessed. He says he's possessed. He can play. He can probably play the accordion or whatever. But more or less, he's been like having a repeating thought in his head with the name Edgar Friendly and the wording. Don't you have a job to do? Don't you have someone to kill, Mister Edgar Friendly? Like he's having those repeated into his head over and over and over again, and he's getting a little like he doesn't know what to do. After he takes out a few of the cops, he uh, more or less finds himself blowing up cars and just doing some crazy, insane shit. While the chief, Chief Earl of the San Angeles Police Department, yes, that's what they decided to do. They said San Angeles Police. More or less San Angeles Police Department is used in this whole idea and pretty much the idea of it is that um what else pretty much the idea for George or like uh, the warden is he thinks it's a good idea that we find a way to f- get something to help out with this because that's what um, Dr. Cocteau, the ruler of the city, decides to say, you have my utmost confidence and you can do anything in your power. Like, you have everything in your absolute power to do anything to capture him. While Lunia Hugsley, who is a bit of a 20th century addict who really loves the stuff from the 90s, like from the 20th century, like she doesn't really care much about stuff going on now. She likes everything else in a sense. She decides to say, like she asks one of the older officers, how was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended in your time? And he more or less says, it only took one man, one cop, John Spartan. That's right. They called him the demolition man. And more or less, they decide to go through all this and all that and saying all these things. The chief decides this is not a good idea, but says, you know what? Let's go with it anyways. I don't feel convinced that it will work, but it's an idea that could help because Alina Hugsley's very insistent on it. If it works, great. If not, whatever. Not a big deal. But more or less, she decides to go with, they decide to go through the idea. 
John is thought out. He is reinstated to the San Angeles Police Department, and his first assignment is to capture Simon Phoenix, whom they kind of have some back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about. Like, we have no idea where he's at currently because he wasn't coded, just like um, John was when he was thought out. He was, um, pardon me, he was given like a weird sort of code embedded into his skin. And he's given these items and whatnot. He doesn't really like it much because he thinks it's a little fascist in a sense where he's like able to be seen everywhere he goes, does this and that. And we also find out when he's being rethought out that there's a, like, you're not allowed to have any alcohol, any contact sports, meat, smoking, salt. You can't swear. There's no gasoline, uneducational toys, anything spicy. It's just, it's fucked up. (laughs) Scott Betson, you're fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. What? Get out of here with that shit. Eh. Sort of like that. Like everyone, like even Simon Phoenix does that at first. John does it a couple of times. And when he's fully thought out, when he's reinstated to the SAPD, he's not really sure how to do stuff because he's new. Like he doesn't, like he's only used to the 90s. He's used to the 20th century. So apparently in the 21st century, they use the red seashell, like the three seashells. And one person I didn't like in this movie appears in it. Rob Schneider. I forgot to mention he was in this. And I realized this after re-watching this movie that he's in it. And I'm just like, God. Especially when he's like, <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> I can see how that's a little confusing. It's like... You do not mess with Stallone, buddy. You do not. This is probably why Stallone thought he was funny and decided to put him in Judge Dredd. But that's a different movie for a different story, for a different time. More or less, he goes through all this, goes through all this stuff that's going on. The Chief and Spartan, as well as Lena Hugsley and Alfredo Garcia, played by Benjamin Bratt, start to pull ideas of where... Simon could go and find a gun for any sort of circumstance so they find out that they're only the guns of the 19th and 20th century are actually in a museum and that's where Spartan and Hugsley and Garcia decide to go with Chief Earl's blessing more or less to go investigate and they find Phoenix is gone there himself he's found where the maximum level security armory exhibit is and decides to go through and try and find some guns. Because, oh no, I gotta have guns in this future. Where are all the guns, man? I need to have some fucking guns, man. <coughs> Scott Betts here, find again. <coughs> yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck. <coughs> yeah, that's a part of the situation on this movie, more or less. And decide, they decide to, like, once John gets in there himself... He finds Simon fucking around. Eh. Come on now. Shut up, you machine. I want to beat you. But yeah, he's going through that. Oh, uh, what else happens? Simon and John get into a fight where they start to kind of one-liner each other. Like, like, well, pull off one-liners. Like, 
Bad aim, Blondie. Spartan? John Spartan? Oh shit, they barely let anybody into this century. What the hell are you doing here? Bah, 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 bah. They start a massive gunfight in the armory exhibit. And they start even more stuff that goes on. And more or less, they have a fight in an old, exi- like an old, like, architectural dig of sorts. Of the, of the past that they found that was preserved. And they fight there. Simon uses his new futuristic gun after, well, more or less, he got it after he's trying to get the guns himself. And out of nowhere, one of the museum, I guess, employees is like, fellow greetings, sir. What seems to be your boggle? My boggle? And he gets himself thrown into the exhibit himself. And then Simon goes ahead and says, fellow greetings, sir. What's your boggle? Boom to the exhibit that he used to find this futuristic sci-fi like gun which I know was a real prototype not the actual like what they used for the prototype was real and um what was it like, I know what they used for the gun was real like a real life gun but it was never really used in real life I just know it was apparently um What was it? I'm looking for the gun itself. I know the name of the gun. I just can't remember. I know the gun itself was a real firearm that was never really used in real life at all. It was produced, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't used at all because of some other crap. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I think it was... Yes, it was an Heckler & Koch G11K1, which don't think was used in real life. I could always look. Give me one second. I shouldn't be doing this, but I knew the name of it, but I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it was a non-production prototype. Developed during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It was... It was just a prototype that was never really... It was developed and had a lot of things, but it wasn't really... Nothing really happened, I don't think, to it. So... I don't know what exactly happened. I know it was developed. It just wasn't really... Nothing really happened to it, I don't think. It was just... Never really, um... I guess made into anything, I don't think. It was just an advanced combat... It was a part of the... Advanced combat rifle program in the US, but... Nothing, I don't think, really happened to it. It just disappeared I guess but again I shouldn't really be looking too much into that that's not a part of the story they go through the museum shootout Simon Phoenix finds Raymond Cocteau the doctor the leader of the city and I don't think I mentioned this when John is getting thought like thought out he's also told that San Diego 
San Francisco, and San Diego, LA, and what else? San Diego, LA. I'm trying to remember right now. It was like, um, basically, the whole idea is it's a metropolis that combined Santa Barbara, San Diego, and LA. I think was the whole idea. So everything in those three areas have now merged into one sort of like super metropolis of sorts. And they were merged in 2011. Which, if we look now, still hasn't happened, but would be kind of cool to see happen if it did happen. But I don't think it will. But whatever, not a big deal. Not to me anyways. So as that goes on... And they go through the whole shootout. They find Dr. Raymond Cocteau. Spartan stops him just in time before he uh, goes ahead and does whatever he's about to do. He was going to shoot Dr. Cocteau, but uh, Spartan saves him. They decide to say, thank you for saving me. I wish to take you to dinner at Taco Bell, which apparently had a franchise war and now all the restaurants in the states or wherever it is are now Taco Bell now in the UK and parts of the rest of the world besides North America Taco Bell was changed to Pizza Hut as a fun little factoid for you all out there so when Sandra Bullock mentions your tone is quasi facetious but you do not realize that Taco Bell would be, you don't realize that Pizza Hut was the only franchise to, to survive the franchise wars. And like, so, so, now every pizza, now every restaurant is Pizza Hut or Taco Bell. I have the North American copy, so it is Taco Bell. But, whatever. They go through all this stuff, they go through dinner, Spartan is kind of angry about it, and he doesn't like how everything's set up. He wants to kind of go back to the 90s, but he can't. He only got a one-way pass to the future. He can't go back. He realizes that his, like most of his life from the past is gone. He feels kind of terrible about that, but he can't do much about it. All he can do is bitch and moan. And then he realizes that there's some folks looking like they're going to do some bad stuff. So he decides to go out and uh, see if he can do something about that. He decides to go after them, stop them. And he finds out that they're later, know, like by Dr. Cocteau, that they're known as scraps. They're people that are outcasts that live underneath the city because they don't like the rules that are like that you gotta live by, almost in a fascist way. He decides to, like they decide to live down in the in the underground, which I can understand. Not everyone would like to live in a fascistic sort of ruling where you can't really do much of anything and you have to like live by these sort of rules where it's like you gotta do this that and the other thing almost like a communistic fascist ruling where you have to abide by the rules or get out more or less like you can't do anything about it which i admit not the best thing in the world but what can you do you can't do much about that you know so basically they decide to once uh, John and Melina head back to their humble abode, 
Melina decides to ask if you want to have sex with me. They try to have sex. It doesn't end out too well. She tells him to get out. Throws him out. He heads back to his apartment that he's been given. And more or less, what happens after that is he decides to watch a video that he's been given by Melina. And he goes to investigate a little bit more further and see what the heck happened between Dr. Cocteau and Simon. When he sees what happened, they decide to look further into his uh, programming because apparently John, while he was frozen, had a program where he was given like some behavioral engineering where he was given a slight occupation change in a sense where he'd be, as a, as a hobby, a seamstress. Which he doesn't like at all. He finds that appalling that he's been given the opportunity to become a seamstress. He's like, I'm a seamstress? Oh, that's just great. And this and that bitches and moans about it because he doesn't want to be one. But he's like, whatever. I'll, like, can you give me an access on Phoenix's file? Because I want to see what happened here. He sees that, um... Yeah, he sees what happened. He sees that... He's been literally given cheat codes to pretty much everything in the entire area. It's ridiculous. He's been given all these things. Like, it's just insane. Like, he's been given all these things while John Spartan is a seamstress. How does that work? But apparently, Dr. Cocteau needed an assassin of sorts. And he didn't know that Simon would ask him to give me some more people that kind of are programmed not to have a, what I like to call Director 4. Basically, you can't kill Dr. Cocteau. You may want to, but you can't. You can do all these other things. You can cause mayhem and shit, but you can't do this. And they decided to go after Edgar Friendly, played by Dennis Leary, whom I forgot was in this movie as well until I watched it again today. And they decided to, like, when... Uh, when uh, Spartan decides to go and talk to Dr. Cocteau, he says, hey, fuck you, buddy. And uh, more or less says, whatever. Like, you want to have a guy like him under control? Trust me, it's not going to work. And he orders Spartan to be sent to the cryo facility again and be frozen again forever. How long? We don't know. Um... And the worst part about it is that he does this and that. And when they do that, he decides to go into the depths of the wasteland with Garcia and Hugsley. And they look for Edgar Fenley himself. They go through all this and that. They find Friendly, who is just an ordinary guy that doesn't want to live by Cocteau's rules. All he is is a guy that wants to just live life comfortably and do whatever. And, um, well, I can agree. I, I honestly can say I don't like to live under someone's ruling that's ridiculous. But, uh, a bunch of people are living down there. Simon finds himself, uh, down there himself, decides to try and assassinate everyone. He gives Alfredo Garcia a good ass kicking. And,. 
after they do after they after they get out of there they for, like they take an Oldsmobile 442 that they found in the underground and chase after Simon who's and this is where the movie kind of has a big car chase and whatnot and it's just ridiculous one-liners like no free rides or what in the hell are these cops doing now huh don't you know you're dangerous the lives of civilians blah, 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 blah. and it's just ridiculousness and then simon phoenix actually admits that he killed the passengers before he even like before spartan even got there and it's like what the fuck man he went to jail with a 36 year smile and he's like i'm happy about that he's like you're dead spartan speak for yourself and spartan throws him out and he crashes into the San Angeles Police Department's fountain. Hugsley gets him out of the car. They go back to Cocteau's place to confront him again. They find out that Cocteau allowed some of the people that uh, Phoenix One thought just do whatever. And they say, hey, you can't take our rights to be at. I can't take anyone's rights to be at an asshole. And... Simon thinks he's an evil Mr. Rogers and lets one of the non-director four killers to shoot Cocteau dead in his dead in his tracks and put him onto the fire, the funeral pyre, more or less. As this goes on, the cops come back. Ugly and Spartan are there. They get ambushed. They defeat the idiots that are trying to kill them. And Lilina Hugsley uh, had a bit of a remorseful feeling. Like, this guy just died by my hands. What can I do about that? Like, why did I do that? And Spartan just kind of reassures her it was either him or us. You did good, if I'm honest. And, um, yeah. He more, they more or less do that. They find that um, Cocteau is dead. They find out that Phoenix and the rest of the crew are headed up. Oh, Phoenix has decided to head back to the cryo prison and thaw out all the multi-lifers that are there. And and they find out there's like 80 of them that they need to stop. Well, they want to stop Phoenix. He decides to go ahead and stop him. Like, stop them. And what's funny is that he knocks out Lilina Hugsley with his glow... His, uh stump because he decides to say you know what you shouldn't be there with me because it may get dangerous he's protecting her in a positive way but you know this is a macho sort of thing that he does while phoenix is at the cryo facility he's thawing out everyone he can think of that he wants to thaw out and then kills a few of the workers at the crowd facility because he's like thank you gentlemen very very much but your services will no longer be required blast them away after he does that he more or less finds himself with the associate of cocktail bob working together to get it all sorted out and just whatever they're doing like spartan comes in with the centimaniac catch maniac sort of shtick comes in is ready to kick some ass kill some people do whatever they get into a fight again like spartan and phoenix get into another fight another big fest fight and whatnot get into a ridiculous fight and this is where the movie kind of climaxes and once 
they get to the most ridiculous part where Spartan repeats what Phoenix said to him in the 90s. They get into a bit of a bigger, better fist fight. They start fighting. And Phoenix doesn't realize, but Spartan had a, a little gem or whatever it is that was used to freeze them both in the crowd facility. He uses it, smashes it, and boom, Phoenix is completely frozen. And I think it's like a liquid nitrogen sort of thing or something of that sort. They don't really explain it very well in the movie. But he freezes him, smashes Phoenix's head off, like kicks it off. He's like, heads up! Kicks it off. Basically, he's dead. You can't do anything about that. And the cryo facility is starting to now malfunction and just self implode, more or less. And Spartan gets out of there. He makes it out okay. He talks to the chief. And at your friendly, they're like, what do we do now? Like, we find out that, like, we, f- we know that Cocteau is dead, but what can we do now? Like, how are we going to live? And they kind of say, and then Spartan kind of goes and does it in a positive way. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to tell you what you're all going to, you're both going to do. Chief, you're going to get a little bit dirty. Edgar, you're going to get a little bit cleaner. And somewhere in the middle, you're both going to figure it out. You're going to figure out how to live properly. You're going to kind of do it in a well, respectful manner. With Garcia just kind of saying, fucking A. Like he doesn't care. He's like, fucking A. And uh, more or less, the movie kind of ends in that sense with Alina and Spartan kind of walking off after they talk a little bit. They kiss. They kiss passionately. And he's like, I think I'm going to like the future. And he demolished everything. But there's just one thing I want to know, Alina. I want to know, Hugsley. How do those damn three seashells work? Like that damn three seashell thing work? Because you know what? We never did find out at all in the movie how they work and well i think i found out a little bit later but it doesn't i don't think it's the real way it works but that doesn't matter overall this movie one of my favorites from when i was younger i watched the shit out of it on vhs as a kid i absolutely loved it i can definitely say i could watch this one again and again and again and again I couldn't find a copy of Giant Demonic to watch, so this was the next best thing for me to watch. I can say, as a 90s film, it's very... Sh- it's not schlocky, but it's very... ridiculous at times. But, that's a good way to be. If I was to give this movie a rating, I know I'm going to be biased, but I don't want to be. So I'm going to give this movie, without me being biased, a solid 7 out of 10. On the Bebops, on the, like, 7,000 out of 10,000, more or less. It is a great movie. If you're a fan of the 90s, nostalgia sort of trip, or if you're wanting to watch a ridiculous movie for, like, a couple of hours, go find this on iTunes or the Google Play Store, or even find it on DVD or Blu-ray if it's out on Blu-ray. I don't know, as of 2020, if it's out on Blu-ray or not. It could be. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. They could have had it on any format, really. But overall... I hope you guys enjoyed this review of the movie Demolition Man. I know I loved watching it again. I haven't watched this mo- movie in a while. I know I love the soundtrack made by Elliot Goldenthal. That's also a good 
thing to check out. I know it's very electronic, synthy, dark. And the song by Sting, Demolition Man, that appears at the end, was originally done by Grace Jones, but he wrote it for her. And he also did it again with the police himself on their album, Ghost of the Machine. But that kind of ends the, uh, the movie completely. It fades out, does all that. It's a good fucking movie. Okay, fuck you. Pow! Okay, we won't be hearing that. Like, like, um, whatever it is. Violation of the morality statute bullshit anymore. Now, if you want to hear more of that, then just click back to the glitches later on in this mo- in this video, in this review, if you really want to hear it. If you really want to hear it, I will probably have some outtakes at the end of this podcast. But yeah, this is me, Scott Betson, and the movie Demolition Man, signing out until we fiber up again. End transmission. So yeah, he's all about eh. Oh really? Fuck you. Eh. Really? You motherfucker. Eh. Okay, you br- ball breaking fuck face piece of shit. Eh, eh, eh. Duck fucking eh. pain in the balls and eh. pain in the ass. Eh. Oh, you piece of shit. Eh. Oh god. Eh. I'm going to have some spicy food. Eh. And yeah, what was I was what was I talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the underground, we do. Are you malfunctioning? Okay, that'll calm it down for a couple minutes. So in the underground, there's no like no code like a violation crap. There's no viol like a credit violation. There's not like no violation of the Riverwind statue or any crap like that in the underground. You can have whatever you want. Doesn't matter. While up on the ground you have to worry about being fucked in the ass multiple fucking times right i forgot the machine really hates me sometimes but what can i fucking do thanks a lot you shit ball busting and duck face and Ball fucking eh, pain in the dick and eh, pain in my ass. Eh. Oh yeah, so much for those seashells. I'm not gonna need them. I'll see you in a few moments.